Uh, this morning, uh, what I want to do is, is um, I want to go over some parables. And uh, I want to talk about uh, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and uh, the lost son, the prodigal son. And I'm not going to delve into each one of those in a, in a, a deep way because there's so much that we can get from each one of those uh, parables or those stories. But what I want to do is I want to focus on, on the point of each one of those stories. Because we, we live in a day and age where it seems like the church has, has lost its zeal and its enthusiasm for reaching the lost. We sometimes take it for granted that people will automatically come in and uh, get saved and start serving God. But, you know, statistics say, and we're going to look at that a little later on, that that's not exactly what happens. Not necessarily people, well, yes, they do come in, and some do just drive by and decide to stop. But for the most part, it doesn't work that way. And if we're not careful, we can become numb to the call of God and to the challenge for evangelism and for outreach for the challenge and, and the, the heartbeat of God, which is reaching the lost uh, for the kingdom of God. It's almost like those who do a lot of flying, and you constantly fly, you go on an airplane, and the first thing you do is you sit down, and then they start giving you the instructions once they start to taxi about buckling up, about what happens when oxygen is lost, blah, 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 exits, and so on. This is going to light up, go this way and that way. And after a while, you fly so much, you don't even pay attention. People are sitting there, and they're chewing, and they're talking, they're reading, they're eating, they're drinking, they're sleeping, and, and the, the attendants are going through all their motions, and a lot of folks don't even pay attention anymore. Why? Because they heard it all before. They heard it all before. And so, so many times it's the same way with the church. We've heard it all before. We've got to tell people about Jesus. We have to witness to, to people. People are lost, etc., and so on. And it seems to somewhat fall on deaf ears. We need to look at the heartbeat of God. And we need to come to a place in our own lives, not only as a congregation, but as individuals that we would cry out to God on a daily basis and ask God to give us the wisdom and to give us the, the influence and the, the time and the resources and the, the burden to reach out and to tell somebody about the love of Jesus Christ, just like somebody told you and I. And it never stops and it should never become secondary to you and I as the people of God. And so I want to look with you, first of all, this morning at the lost sheep in the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 15. It goes on for, from verse 1 to verse 32, and we're not going to, to read every single verse, but we're going to look at an overview of the story of each one of these parables. And in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, Jesus begins to tell the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Why does he do that? He does that because the religious establishment, the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees, the religious folks 
of that day were angry with Jesus simply because uh, he was always spending time with sinners, unbelievers, uh, and always eating with them. We have the perfect story in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 about Zacchaeus and how he's a tax collector and he rips people off and all he cares about is himself and Jesus goes and eats with them and people are upset because he's eating with his crook. And so Jesus realizes that people are angry with him about why he spends so much time talking to unbelievers and trying to reach sinners. And so he tells this parable. And in verse 1, let's read, tax collectors and sinners were all crowding around to listen to Jesus. So the Pharisees and uh, the teachers of the law of Moses started grumbling, saying, this man is friendly with sinners, even he eats with them. And so Jesus understood this, and he wanted to tell them, and he says in verse 4, if any of you has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will you do? Won't you leave the 99 in the field and go look for the lost sheep until you find it? And when you find it, you will be so glad that you will put it on your shoulder and carry it home. And then he calls his friends uh, and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And then he says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So Jesus is giving a, a good picture, and I'll touch on that last uh, verse in, in a bit, but he's given a picture of the urgency and the requirement that is, is necessary, not only obviously in our story, for that shepherd who has the responsibility of caring for the sheep and watching out for them, making sure that they are all safe, but he's trying to bring a picture as to why he spends so much time with these unbelievers and these people who are not saved. It's simply because uh, that's a part of the kingdom of God is to reach uh, as many people uh, as he can for Jesus Christ. That's our calling. That's our responsibility. And he says uh, reaching the lost is so critical. It's the mainstay of the church. That's why the church is established. That's where the church, uh, Jesus Christ, sent out uh, the two by two to go and to preach the gospel. That's why the Apostle Paul had churches implanted in so many different parts of the world. And he says, the shepherd immediately went out to find it. The key point, the key thought here is that that lost sheep didn't come back to try and find his way to the shepherd. The shepherd went out to find the sheep that was lost. And so for you and I this morning, God doesn't expect lost people to find us here at New Harvest. He expects us, New Harvest, to go out and to find them. That's the principle that you and I need to let be ingrained in our theology and in our thinking. It's our responsibility. It is the great commission, Matthew 28, 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the good news. Go out into the world. That's, that's the commission that we have. That's the commission that we as a ministry and fellowship have been founded upon. And that never changes. It never has and it never will change. And if we're going to have that true heart and compassion for the lost, we're going to have to go out, take responsibility, and do what we have to to reach them. It's, it's, it's being a, a good steward of the, the responsibility that God has given to us. You see, the problem is that we look at society and we become somewhat desensitized how hurt people really are, how desperate people are, how lost they are. It just becomes another image on TV. It just becomes another news item. It's just something that we hear about. And it's like, oh, well, that's the way things are, I guess. That's the way it's going to be. And the danger is that that we become desensitized to the condition of society and we no longer respond to what we see or what we hear. But we just let it be and leave it to somebody else. It's up to us as a congregation, as a ministry, to take heart to what Jesus was saying to these religious folks you might just be concerned about uh, hanging around uh, with people like yourselves uh, who are already saved and maybe already know about God. But Jesus said he was more, that shepherd was more concerned and heaven is more concerned and rejoices over one person who is a sinner that repents than the 99 that don't need to. Doesn't mean God doesn't care about us. But it just means that God cares about that one that is lost, more so. Because we already have the gospel. We already have the good news. And in Jesus is saying in this story that as a church, we need to take action like that shepherd did to go find that lost sheep. He didn't hang around, have a committee meeting with other shepherds start to go on, you know, Google and start to see what maybe is the latest, uh, latest technique about finding lost sheep. No, he just went out and started looking. He did it. There's no, there's no specific way to reach people. It's just going out and talking to them. It's going out and sharing to the, with them what God has done in your life. When Nancy and I went to, to the different places, we started churches and San Diego, Vegas, and in, in, and in Manchester, and in England. We went with our, by ourselves, her and myself and our kids, and just started knocking on doors and handing out flyers. Yes, we had our outreach team come every once in a while, every three or four months. But aside from that, in England, we had nobody. We would go on the flats, knock on all these high-rise flats, and tell people about Jesus, come to church. And God built a church. That doesn't stop. It seems like now we come to a place where we ha 
have to do it in a, in, a, in a more, I don't know, just more technological way. You know, yes, thank God for, for social media and all the rest of that. That's great. But there's nothing like old-fashioned, in-your-face witnessing. And, and, and that, is, that is really foreign to a lot of folks. Because so many young people and so many of, of a generations that have been risen up aren't used to face-to-face anymore. They're not used to that. How, how do I do that? What, you know, what if they give me a dirty look? You know, what if they, 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 they frown at me? What, what if they say things to me? You know, because we're, we're so used to the safety of, you know, well, I'll just unfriend them. I just won't talk to them anymore. We're so used to the safety of distance. Uh, you know, I don't know what they look like. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. People get married that way. I don't know how, but they do. And it's hindered the evangelism of the gospel. And so this is why we need to, to, to get in the face of people whenever the opportunity comes and start to tell them face to face. And that's what that shepherd did. He didn't send somebody else. He himself went out to go find that lost sheep. It's the principle of outreach, of evangelism, of what this ministry and church is built upon. He says, Jesus says, he's telling the story to the religious people, won't you leave the 99 that you have to go find that one? He was putting them on the spot. Don't you care about sinners anymore? Don't you care about those who don't know God anymore? It shows that reaching the lost for, the, for, for you and I as a church should never become secondary, but should remain a priority. This is why we have events. This is what Safe Zone is all about. This is what, what Christmas Wonderland is all about. This is why we do these things. Whenever we have events, our, our summer bashes, our baptisms, it's not just so we can, you know, kumbaya. It's so that we can reach people. That's what those things are, are built for. That's what they're all about. So what happens many times is that congregations, Christians, start out reaching lost people, but after a while, they get comfortable and begin to forget what their purpose really is. And that purpose is to tell somebody about Jesus, yesterday I told a story. We had a leader uh, meeting yesterday and told a story about a life-saving station. I'm not going to spend time to go through the, the whole story, but I feel it's worth repeating because it proves my point. That life-serving station on the East Coast was established. It was a little house because of, there were a lot of shipwrecks there on the East Coast, and so people would go out and take their boats and help rescue the, the people that were, were, were shipwrecked, on these small boats on the rocks. And so they were reaching people, so they had to build this little house to bring them into, to comfort them, to get them, give them food and water and, and a place to lay down. And the word got out. These people were doing this, and so people got around them and started investing and helping them, and, and pretty soon a whole community started getting involved. They needed more room. They built more, more, a bigger life-saving station. They got more life-saving boats. They hired more crews. And as the story goes on, Everybody got comfortable. They bought new furniture. They made the place look nice. It became a clubhouse. 
And eventually, nobody was concerned about life-saving anymore. They were just concerned about their clubhouse and having fellowship. And that's the danger that we can run into as a church, that as we start out as a life-saving, as it were, operation, reaching people for the kingdom of God, that we don't lose that mindset and that we would get comfortable and let it be somebody else's job, somebody else's business about reaching the lost. No, it's all of our business. If you are born again believer, then it's your responsibility, my responsibility to reach people, to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. So easy to lose sight of our priorities like that life-saving station did. They lost sight of why they were established in the first place. And in verse 7, it talks about the celebration. The celebration. He says, then you call your friends after that sheep is found and your neighbors, and you say, let's celebrate, I found my sheep. You see, this, this tells us of the joy that God has when we do our job. That when we see people get saved and when we go out and witness, you know, when, whenever there's a party that's going to be uh, attended, whether it's, it's a wedding feast, whether it's a birthday party, anniversary, whatever, it's a time of celebration. And why do people go to these celebrations? Do they go to have a bad time? They go, do they go to, to be bummed out? No, they go because they want to celebrate. They want to have, they want to rejoice with the person who they're honoring. And this is the mindset that you and I need to have ingrained in us when it comes to outreach. Don't look at outreach as a drudgery. Oh, it's hard. It takes my time. I can't do the laundry. I can't do the shopping. You know, I can't cut the grass. I can't go to the mall. I can't go see this picture. I can't go to here, wherever it is that the devil lies to us about why we can't go outreach. Instead, look at it as, man, I'm going to be excited when somebody gets saved. I'm going to be excited and rejoice uh, when we find somebody who doesn't know Jesus uh, and they're going to hear the gospel, they're going to repent. Man, that's going to be a time of celebration. You see, when you have that attitude and mindset, whenever it's time to witness and go into an outreach, it changes your whole perspective and your whole mindset about what the outreach is all about. You see, at the end of the service this morning, we're going to have an altar call. And we're going to challenge people to come up and rededicate their lives and give their lives to Jesus. And when people do that, guess what we're going to do? We're going to cap our hands, and we're going to celebrate and we're going to rejoice. Why? Because people are getting saved. Because people who are lost are now found. It's not a cliche, but it is a reality. And too many times we lose the joy when people get saved. Oh, somebody else. Oh, another rescue. Oh, somebody else was, was saved from the water. Isn't that life-staving station? Somebody else was rescued. Big deal. No. 
That's a soul. That's a life that Jesus gave his life for, like he did for you and I. God, help us that we don't stop looking at people like Jesus looked at people. He looked at them as a priority. Lost people are a priority to Jesus. He says, heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents over the 99 righteous persons who did not need to repent. Jesus died for all. Cares about everybody. Let's look at the lost coin and in verse 8. He goes on and he speaks about the lost coin. And in verse 8 he says, Jesus told the people another story. What will a woman do if she has ten silver coins and loses one of them? Won't she light a lamp, sweep the floor, look carefully, underline the word, until she finds it? And then she will call her friends and neighbors and say, let's celebrate, I found the coin I lost. Jesus said in the same way, God's angels are happy even when one person turns to him. You see, Jesus cares not only about the lost, he cares about how many people we can save, how many people we can reach. There's never enough that we can reach for Jesus Christ. Never, well, we've reached our quota. There's never a quota when it comes to reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. See, he does not only care about the quality of our life, he cares about how many people it's possible that we can reach for his honor and his glory. We know that because he gives the illustration of this woman who searched, she had nine already, was, isn't nine enough? No, it wasn't enough. She wanted one more. She needed that one that was lost. That's an illustration for you and I to not stop, no matter what, searching for lost people. God cares about reaching as many as we can. I know some folks, you know, the, the old saying, us four, no more. That's great. It's cozy. It's friendly. Everybody's here. We like that's not the kingdom of God. That's not what the kingdom of God is all about. And the widow persistently, it said, until she found the lost coin. She searched for it. She didn't quit. She was persistent. The way Jesus is persistent when it came to reaching us. The persistence, think about the love of God and how God did not quit in your life until somewhere along the line you surrendered to the love of Jesus Christ. He was persistent in whichever way that took place in your life. When you read these stories of the lost sheep and the lost coin, I guarantee you that those, that shepherd and that woman as we read continued to search until that which was lost was found. That picture of persistence is something that you and I need to fight for. Jesus went about, think about it, Jesus went about healing people. Throughout his life here on earth, in his ministry, 
34 out of 40 times that healing took place. Those people who needed the miracle did not find Jesus on their own. Somebody brought them to Jesus. Think about that. Someone brought those people who needed help to the Lord. Sometimes he did find them, but the majority of time they were brought to him. Listen to this survey. There was a recent survey of why people come uh, to church and uh, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen. 1% of the people came through evangelistic crusades or revivals. 4% came through church programs, through Sunday school, etc. 5% came as just walking in the doors. 8% because of the pastor. Don't have to worry about that here. And 76% came through friends and relatives. Wow. Think about that, that percentage. 76% of people who accept Jesus Christ who come to this church are going to come because of you all. Because of your friends, your relatives, because of what you do. Not because of who I am, not because of all the things we do, and we're not going to stop doing them, because that 1% is important, that 4% matters, but the majority are going to come because we, as the people of God, go out and do what we're supposed to do. They don't come because of a building. They don't necessarily come because of a name of a building or, or a church, but they come because of somebody witnessing to them. And then we find in verse 9 of this lost coin story, there's another celebration. Boy, I, I, I'm going to be in heaven because they're celebrating all the time. You know, we like parties, don't we? We like celebrations. We find any reason to celebrate. Oh, gee, it's, it's, it's you know, donut week. Let's celebrate. You know, it's, it's muffin, muffin day. Let's celebrate. You know, we always look for some kind of holiday. You know, nowadays, there's a holiday for everything. People love to celebrate. Well, I'll tell you what, there's going to be celebration going on in heaven. Amen. Celebration going on, a lot of celebration. And look at another celebration. It says, then she will call her friends and her neighbors and say, let's celebrate. I found the coin. That's how much Jesus cares about finding people that he has celebrations going on with angels and in heaven. Let's look lastly at the lost son in verse 11. I'm not going to go into it, the story. Most of all of us know about the prodigal son. and This man, landowner, rich man, had two sons. One was a faithful son. The other one was a travieso, troublemaker, the rebel of the family. And he came one day to his dad and said, give me, give me what I'm owed, give me my portion. I'm tired of obeying, listening to you. You know, when I'm 18, I'm out of here kind of a thing. And so that's what he did. Got his stuff, went out, went crazy, spent his money, ended up eating with pigs. Think about that, ended up eating with pigs. He was a Jew, and he ended up in a, in a pig pen. I mean, how uncouth could that be? How much lower can you get being with pigs? And he comes to realize, man, my father's servants, they have more. They do better than me where I'm at, so I'm going to go home. 
And so we know the story, and he ends up on his way home. What does that tell us about the Father, God the Father, and the Father of this prodigal boy who was lost in 2 Peter 3, 9. God's love is patient. That's what it tells us. That God cares about us no matter what condition we are in, no matter how far you may be running, how crazy you might be getting in the world. God never gives up loving you, never gives up wanting you to get saved, never gives up uh, believing and, 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 and doing whatever it takes to, to bring you to a place uh, where you will repent. God's love is patient. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slow or slack in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone coming to repentance. And so God is willing as that father of this lost son, willing to wait for us to come home and come to a place of repentance. Uh, for those of us who have family members, friends and loved ones uh, who are not saved, uh, don't give up praying, don't give up hoping, don't give up believing. Uh, keep believing and pray, because God is still working. God is patient with them in a, to a time where they will come to a place, no matter how impossible it may seem. Might allow those to run their course of rebellion, disobedience. Because, you know, after all, he did create us with the free will. Isn't that right? We're not created as robots. He gave us a free will to choose how our lives are going to be. He's not pleased, but yet it's our choice. And this young, young boy who was lost made a choice. And there, God was waiting, the Father was waiting expectantly. That's how we need to be, expecting. Don't stop expecting for your loved ones, those who are lost, to get saved. Because when you stop expecting, you stopped believing. You stopped reaching. You stopped uh, uh, doing what we need to do for them. And that is to pray and to fast and, and to stand on God's word. When we stop expecting, we throw in all hope. Expectation is powerful. Expectation is a motivator. And this father, we know, is expecting, no matter what, how long it takes for his son to come back. And it's interesting in these three stories of the lost sheep, the coin, and the lost son, that the only one Jesus didn't go after was a lost son. Because he knew that he was lost. He knew that he was in bad shape, and he knew that he needed to go back to his father's house. You see, there are people who know they're lost. They may put on a happy face, they may look, everything's fine, everything's good, everything is great. But see, deep down inside, they know they need a change in their life. 
And this prodigal knew exactly what he needed to do. And the father, I'll guarantee you, didn't just all of a sudden one day go out and see his son coming. But I would have to believe like any one of us would when we have a lost child. Every single day you would go out and look for that lost child, wouldn't you? You wouldn't do it once or twice and not do it anymore. And I believe this father was every day standing on, that, on his doorstep, looking down that road, waiting to see his son coming down that road. His perspective was that he was believing for his son to come back. You and I need to have that father's perspective, God the father's perspective, uh, that we keep believing and expecting people to get saved. Uh, I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what people are going through. People are going to come to church. People are going to come in and get saved. They're going to come in and hear the gospel. They'll come to our outreaches. Uh, I expect them to come to whatever it is we do. Why? Because I believe God wants people to be saved, and I expect that to happen. Don't stop expecting people to come back to church because when you stop expecting people to come back, you lose hope. Who have you been praying for? Who have you been believing God for? Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep expecting. God is still working in their lives. God, no matter what it is, uh, there are things going on around them that one day they will be back here. They will be here at this altar. They will be in one of those seats raising their hand. I've seen it through the 46 years I've been serving God. I've seen it over and over, just like you have, over and over again, people coming and saying, I'm tired, just like this young man said. Why am I doing this? I need to go home. This is where God, his word is spoken and is preached. And they realize and they know that. They will come. As we bow our heads this morning and we close our eyes.